All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, my name is Dave Everett. This is my wife, Sherry. Uh, we're going to do our Bible study here from Lighthouse Discipleship Center on the new you and the Holy Spirit by Andrew Womack. And so we are towards the end of chapter two. Uh, if you're following along with us in your book, you're on page 19. We'll be under the chapter two is called Jesus is Lord. And then the subject heading for, that we'll be starting with is called Sustained by Faith. So we'll be finishing up and talking about faith. And we, we talked last week how, about the great exchange between God and man. How Christ, he who knew no sin, became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. There was exchange. Jesus took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. And so, uh, anyway, we, that's what we talked about last night. So, anyway, all of our Bible studies are archived on our, our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. And then uh, there's a couple of number of ways you can get there to just go review all of our messages, uh, our teachings, and then also on our Bible uh, studies page. We also archive all of our specific Bible studies together. So, anyway, and then uh, they're also archived on our YouTube page as well. Uh, and so we actually have over, uh, since we've been doing these Bible studies, we have over a thousand now uh, followers on YouTube. And so it's just growing. And so that's, a, that's awesome. So anyway, they're archived or even archived by playlists. And so uh, so playlists being that they're all together uh, for this particular series or book or study that we're doing. Anyway. So we're going to be talking about the New Year and the Holy Spirit. This is kind of two books in one. We're, we're still in ending, wrapping up chapter two today on Jesus is Lord. And so we're going to be talking about uh, how our faith is sustained, uh, how we're sustained by faith, excuse me. And so Sherry will narrate for us, and then we will uh, discuss it. So anyway. All right. Sustained by faith. The Christian life is both born in faith and sustained by faith. You'll just end up condemning yourself if you try to live it by your own works. As long as you're in your physical body, there'll be times when you fall short. If you're not careful, you'll beat yourself up trying to live right and wonder how God could ever love someone who messes up as much as you. God's love doesn't change when you make mistakes. If he went to the cross for you as a sinner, how much more does he love you now that you're a Christian? But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Romans 5, 8-10 He loves you more now as a Christian, even when you sin, than he did when you were lost. Don't ever let your failures separate you from God's unfailing love. All right, thank, uh, thank you, Sherry. Um, I, know, I know that's a short section, but a very powerful section. Our, our, our Christian life, our true life, our Christian life is both born in faith and is sustained by faith. You know, we, uh, we, we put faith in his grace to become born again. In the same way that, and in the same way we receive Christ by faith and His grace, we continue to walk by faith in His grace. You know, I want to go real quick. I think I went here last week, or maybe it was Sunday night, but in Colossians chapter two. Give me a second to get there. I'll be going to the King James version on this, but Colossians chapter two. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Um, Almost there, just waiting for my iPad to catch up with my brain here. Colossians chapter 2, we'll start with verse 6. And again, I'm going to be in the King James Version. And it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Verse 7, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I just love this passage of scripture, especially in the King James. You know, the same way we receive Christ is the exact same way we walk in him. 
We, how did you receive Christ? Did you receive Christ because you had it all together? Or did you receive Christ because you trusted, you, you heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were saved? You trusted, you heard the gospel, and you trusted it, and were saved. You put faith in the gospel. You put faith, what's the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In a more simple form, you put, you heard the gospel that Jesus died for your sins. You trusted that, you put faith in that. You might not have said those exact words, but you did so, and usually in a prayer of some sort. And so you uh, you heard the gospel, you believed, and were saved. It wasn't because you measured up, you had everything that all together. If you had everything all together, you wouldn't need a Savior. If you had it all together, you don't need Jesus. But you don't have it all together. <laughs> or you didn't have it all together, so you needed Jesus. You put, you put faith in that, you became saved. And the same way you receive Christ, you walk in Him. What does walking in him look like? Well, I like, that's why I like the King James, because of the King James, at the end of verse 6, there's a colon. The colon tells me that, is, that Paul is going to expound on what walking in him looks like. The colon tells me that he's going to expound on that phrase, what walking in him looks like. It's being rooted up and belted up, being, I'm sorry, rooted and built up in him and established in the Faith. It's not just any faith. It's the faith. There's a definite article there. It's the faith. And so it's a very specific faith. Which faith? The faith that we started. The faith that we put in His grace. You know, I'm not trusting what I'm doing. It's not being rooted up and in, in establishing in, 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 in a faith or in the faith of, in, you know, faith. Faith has to, see, faith has to have an object. The faith, we're either going to trust His grace or we're going to trust us. We're either going to trust His gift of righteousness or we're going to trust our own performance of self-righteousness. We're either trusting Him or or someone else or trusting God. You know, the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, Cursed is the one who trusts flesh for his strength, but blessed is the man who, who trusts the Lord. We started this whole journey with God, this whole born-again experience, trusting His grace. It's not grace without faith, and it's not faith without grace, but grace was first. You, we couldn't put faith in nothing. We couldn't put faith in ourselves. We put faith in His grace. Grace, well, you can't appropriate the grace unless you trust it, but unless you put faith in it. But the faith, the grace was first. And so... Uh, and the, and the faith is our response to the grace. Now, that's how we began this born-again experience, but that's how we also continue this morning. That's how we sustain it. We walk by faith. Paul says in Romans, anything that's not a faith is sin. Uh, you know, it's either, and I love how Andrew says in another teaching, but he says, you're either walking supernaturally or you're walking superficially. You're either walking trusting what you do, or you're trusting God. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, uh, I'm crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but the life I live, I live by the faith of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's a walk of faith. The just, the, the just, the word just is the same word for righteous in the Greek and the Hebrew, and the just shall live by his faith. And it says in Romans 1, 16 and 17 that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes through the Jew verse and also to the, the Greek. For therein is the, the righteous God revealed from faith to faith. We live this whole life from faith to faith from grace to grace from glory to glory. It's a walk of faith. It's a fight of faith. Not faith in what we do but faith in what Faith in what he's done. But because we have faith in what he's done, and we have received him, we live this life by faith. Anything that's not a faith is sin. And a life of faith, which is also the fruit of the Spirit, is not going to be in sin. See, faith works by love. Faith works by by knowing that he loved us. And and, and that we a life of faith it see when a lot maybe you peel back the onion on sin, almost every single sin, every act of sin that you can do, whether something you done wrong or something you haven't done right, and actually anything that's not a faith of sin. So any time that you are sinning, basically you are trusting you <coughs> or something else instead of God. 
You're trusting that that activity or that thing or that, 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 that thought or that behavior or that attitude uh, is, you're actually elevating that over the Word of God. I mean, I don't want to get too deep with this, but just, you know, um, we're either going to trust God more or we're going to trust ourselves. And, you know, a life of faith is trusting God. It's about trusting God that He is going to provide. He's going to fulfill the, the, the longings of my heart. He's going to fulfill those, all those desires. And it doesn't have to be to the lust of the flesh. The Bible says in Galatians 5.16, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our, our flesh lusts for things. And James talked about how that, 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 that lust will turn to sin and that sin turns to death. But how, how do you contain the, the, you can't contain the lust of the flesh. And I'm not just talking about immorality things. Our flesh lusts for a lot of different things that are not necessarily immoral as far as, uh, uh, you know, sexual oriented. Even though that's a, that's a big category with lust. There are other things we lust for. Sometimes, sometimes people have, are so bitter at someone, they're lusting to be bitter at that person. They might not put it those touch and touch words, but that, that lust is a drive. And they're driven to hate that person. They're driven to be bitter at that person. Or they're driven to be gossiping about that person. Or they're driven to lie or cheat or steal. Uh, they, have a, they just have an a addiction to that. And they have a, you know, lust is a very powerful, our flesh is very powerful. And you don't control the flesh by the flesh. Good luck. <laughs> it won't work that way. If you sow to the flesh, you have the flesh, you will reap corruption. The Bible says. To be naturally minded is death, the Bible says. And so, how do we control the flesh walk in the Spirit? We walk in the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? Well, we walk in the Spirit the same way we receive the Spirit. <laughs> how did you receive the Spirit? You believe the Gospel? Believe God. And then walk in it. Walk in it. Live it. Let it be a, this whole idea of walking in something is a lifestyle. It's not just something you do on Sunday when we have Bible studies or when everything's falling apart and you come and reach out to God. It's, not, it's a lifestyle. And so we're walking with God. It's a walk of faith. You know, we live by faith and not by sight. Okay? And there's so many things I can expound on, but this whole journey began with faith, and it's sustained by faith. It's a life of faith. But it's not just faith. You, you know, without grace, you have nothing to have faith in. Except yourself, and that's not going to get you very far. You know, so it's not just faith without grace, and it's not faith, grace without faith. Grace without faith won't, won't appropriate that grace. But uh, faith without grace has nothing to put faith in. We're going to put faith, if you don't have, believe in grace, what are you putting faith in? You? Are you exalting you? Are you magnifying you? Are you worshiping you and not God? Anything we have has come from God. And you can't do this Christian life on your own. Jesus said, if you, unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. And where does faith come from? Abiding in him, his word, having a relationship with God. Faith works by love. So even to get your faith activated, you need to know his grace. You need to know his love uh, for you. What is love? John, verse John chapter 4 says it this way. This is love, not that you love him, but he loved you. and became your propitiation. He became your sacrifice. Loving, you love him because he first loved you. So love is all about God loving you. And once you know his love, you can then love him and love others. So anyway, um, um, there's more, I think there's some more here. That I could piggyback on it with a little small section, but uh, hopefully that was beneficial. You have anything to share, Sherry? I think the biggest thing that always stops me in my tracks is just the amazing wow of God loving us no matter what. Even before we came to Christ, God loved us, He loved us so much. In fact, he loved everyone so much that he, he went to the cross for us. He chose that for us because he loved us so much and he wanted right relationship with us. And when we think that we've done too much or, or whatever 
that he doesn't receive us or love us because of our actions, we really need to rethink that lie because that that is a lie that that if if we fail so much that he can't love us because he sent his son to the cross to die for us because he loved us so much even before we came to him and it, to I just I can't fathom that love it's so it just brings me to my knees every time and that's, you know, Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 is that we would know the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of God's love for us. And that's our prayer for you guys too, that you would just know that love because no matter what's going on in your world, uh, in your circle, in your life, um, just knowing that God loves you no matter what uh, will get you through that. So... I just, I mean, I talk a lot about faith in that, that first part, uh, but, you know, God loves you. Nothing can separate you. All the mistakes you make. Now, God's not condoning your mistakes. I'm not condoning your mistakes. But his, his mistakes are bad. Sin is strong, but his love is greater. And uh, we have to remember that. And God, if God loved you in spite, before you became a believer, he loves, and I love this verse, a uh, passage of scripture that Andrew brings out from Romans 5, uh, where it talks about that God committed his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified or declared righteous by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For it, if when we were sinners or we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. His death was powerful, but his life is even more powerful. You know, sometimes we, we celebrate the, the, death, the death of Christ, but we need to also celebrate the resurrection of Christ. You know, we, we kind of do on Easter and whatnot, but, you know, uh, the, his death was powerful. His blood was powerful to wash your sins. His life is even more powerful because his life is in the blood. And... Uh, you're saved by the blood. You're washed in the blood. You're regenerated by the... Regenerated. I mean, that's just a huge term. I probably need to do a teaching series on that someday. But we're regenerated. We're redeemed. We're, we're redeemed by what? The blood of Jesus. His death was powerful to reconcile us to God. And his life is even more powerful. God loves you. He loved you while you, when you were a sinner. He loves you even more now you're, that you're a born-again believer. That you're his son or daughter, his child. God loves you. And not, if if there's, you being a sinner before you were saved did not stop God from dying for you, how, that you, how could it be now that you're saved? You sin, God loves you less. That, you know, so much religion teaches that. And that's just so messed up. How can God love you less when you make a mistake now that you're a believer when he loved you when all your faults before you were a believer? That is just uh, uh, insanity gone to see. It doesn't make sense. God loves you. God loved you before you were saved. He loves you now that you are saved even when you make your mistakes. And it's his love that's going to operate faith to get you to change your life around. But you need to be rooted and grounded in his love. You need to be rooted in <clears throat> grounded in faith, in His Word, in His identity, You're, you 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 are. This life began by faith in His love, and it's sustained by faith in His love. He's a merciful, merciful, merciful God. His love, His mercy endures. For, excuse me, forever. His mercy. We don't understand mercy because on, 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 a, on a horizontal relationships and in, in, in the workforce and in society, even parent-child and different things, and some marriages, we don't always operate out of mercy, the agape love of God. We, we, we operate in a system that you have to earn it. 
And even when people mess up, we, we make them pay for it. But God is a God of mercy. And his mercy triumphs over judgment. I mean, he's a mercy, merciful, merciful, merciful God. That is, that is his nature, which kind of goes with our, our Sunday night Bible study, the, the nature of God. He's a merciful God. And it's his goodness, it's his mercy that's going to lead you to repentance. Uh, you know, it's not his wrath. No, he poured out his wrath on Jesus so he can give you mercy. And when you trust his mercy, his mercy, his grace will teach you how to live a godly life. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and read some more. The law's purpose. We've been talking a lot about the law on Sunday night and also uh, here a little bit on uh, Wednesday nights. But the law's purpose. God gave the law to show man he couldn't save himself. The Ten Commandments are really just the tip of the iceberg. There are literally thousands of rules to keep in the law. Jesus used several of these commandments in an attempt to show the rich young ruler we read about in Mark 10 that he would never be holy enough for eternal life on his own. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not co commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. Mark 10, 19. This young man genuinely thought he could do something to earn eternal life. Doing and receiving by faith are very different from each other indeed. The law is like a plate glass window. Whether you break it with a BB or a boulder, it's broken. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. James 2, 10. God doesn't tell you to do your best and he'll make up the difference with mercy. Either you live holy and receive eternal life because you earned it, which is not possible, or you receive it by faith as a gift. This deceived young ruler needed to quit trying and start trusting. In an effort to convince the Lord that he deserved eternal life, he told Jesus that he kept all of the commandments since his youth. Impossible. This man's attitude had him going straight to hell. Loving the young ruler, Jesus tried to bring him out of this deception. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Mark ten, twenty-one to 22 The Lord touched this man's true God when he instructed him to sell all of his possessions and give to the poor. The rich young ruler wasn't willing to lay them down and make Jesus Lord, because he'd broken the very first command, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 20, verse 3. God is not against you having money, but he's against money having you. Giving away all of your possessions to the poor is not a requirement for salvation. When Zacchaeus, another wealthy man, met Jesus and repented, he declared he'd give half of all he had to the poor. Luke 19, 1-9. Jesus never asked this of him, but Zacchaeus volunteered to do it because his heart had changed. The issue Jesus is driving at is, who or what do you trust in as your God little g or God the God? The bottom line, if you believe Jesus Christ was only a good person and that you can get to God through many different ways, you haven't truly made him Lord of your life. Jesus is either Lord of all or he isn't Lord at all. You can't receive salvation, which comes only through him, if you aren't willing to bow your knee and acknowledge him as God and supreme ruler. Either Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord, or he's not. It's that simple. I like that. You know, we talk a lot about the, uh, he's our Savior a lot. Because that's, a, that's a popular message, and that's a very cornerstone of, of what we teach and whatnot. Uh, it's, it's just, it's just uh, you, you can't get more uh, to the core than that. But he's also our Lord. My circumstances are not my Lord. My money is not my Lord. 
My sickness is not my Lord. My failures, my lust, my flesh is not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. He's either Lord of all. He's not Lord at all. He's my Lord. And I bow to him. I serve him. I worship him. And I love how Paul says in Romans chapter 1 verse 1 that he's a bondservant of Christ. A bondservant is a willing servant. He's bound to his master for life willingly. He's my Lord. And I submit to him because he's my God. He's my, he, he's my, he's my Savior and Lord. But just because he's my Lord, it doesn't mean I'm omitting that he's my Savior. No, he's my Savior. And how did I get saved? By grace. By faith in his grace. But he's also, now that he's my Savior, he's also my Lord. And, and, and he's my master. He's my boss. And so when I need wisdom, I go to him. When I need healing, I go to him. You know, to live a godly life, I go to Him. I, I, I need to trust Him for everything. And, and some of the hard teachings of Jesus to, to the rich young ruler, to, to others, it, 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 you know, it's about who are you trusting? This man said he'd been uh, uh, keeping God's commandments since his youth. First of all, that's a lie or a deception. You know, to mean to see that he could, because that's impossible. None of us have done that. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have done that. So it's either a lie or 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 false. You know, it's a, it's one he just bear false witness, which is also one of the commandments. He, and in one sense, he's exalting himself over God, which is very kind of goes with the shall know to God for you. Really saying that out, he's exalting his performance over God's performance. You know, he he, he you know. Um, it doesn't sound like he's very teachable either. Money and the other things were his Lord, not God. And so uh, Jesus was using Jesus was not being harsh toward him. He was trying to actually help him because that that's what the law is for. The law is to break our pride. The law is to show us that we need a Savior and we need a Lord. Uh, and we need really need both. We focus on the Savior part a lot. Uh, the law does point that we need a savior, and I'm not taking away from that because that's the major, 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 uh, almost the most major point that I can bring out. But there, it also tells us that we need a we need a Lord. If you're struggling with sin, something else is Lord of your life. Either your flesh or your drive or money, you know. Um, in some situations, and I, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But some people, because of those sicknesses and illnesses, that cancer, that disease has been Lord of your life. That cancer has taken your money. That cancer has changed your, 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 your way of living. And it has affected your families and different things. And some people, that has made that Lord of your life. You know, we've had some people through the years to get healed or want to get healed. But then they, they would come back and say, if I get healed, does that mean I don't get my Social Security anymore? Something's wrong with that. Uh, you know, sometimes we can get so comfortable in being handicapped or whatever that we are, have made our Social Security, our finances, uh, our Lord. What, you know, part of that is just flat out lazy. I'm not trying to be rude or, or mean, but you need to be heals, healed so God can use you to, to, to minister to other people. Uh, and... and you know, I'm glad there's services like Social Security when we need it or whatnot, as long as, long as it still exists in our country. Some other countries, you don't even know what I'm talking about because it didn't exist in your country. But at the same point in time, you know, I, I, Social Security is not my Lord. Even if they take it away, and I don't agree with that, because we paid, all pay taxes into that, and I'm not going to get political here. But God's my Lord, He's my provider. He's my Savior. Yes. But that's how, that the word salvation, if you study out in the Greek and Hebrew, also means prosperity. That's what the word means. Some people argue with me with that. You can argue with me all you want, but that, that's what the word means. It means prosperity. It means deliverance. It means wholeness. It means healing. That's what the word means by definition. I mean, it, it, the word means what it means. You know, I can't change the definition. I didn't make the definition up. It's what the word means. 
And so, uh, I'm not, you know, but even in prosperity, I'm not using prosperity, and there are different avenues of prosperity. We're not just talking about finances, but we're also not excluding finances. I want to be prosperity so I can bless all the families of the earth. That was the blessing on Abraham. And the Bible says in Galatians 4, 20, uh, 3, 29, if we are of Christ and we are, uh, um, I, I was going to say it again, sorry, excuse me. I used to quote it all the time. Um, I know I'm getting off, off a little bit, but let me at least uh, finish my quote here from Galatians three twenty nine. Thank you. If you ever want to know how to find Galatians, Ephesians, all that, God eats popcorn. That's mm -hmm. the acronyms. So, with that. But Galatians 3.29 says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you are Christ, then you are heirs of the promises made to Abraham. And it says the promise made to Abraham of many promises was that we are be blessed to bless all the families of the earth. God doesn't want to just give you finances so you can meet your needs. Does God want to meet your needs? Absolutely. But if, if that's all you can see is meeting my needs, in one sense, that's a very selfish attitude. If all you care is about your needs being met, but not having abundance so you can have your needs met and also help meet other people's needs, that's what we're, that's, you know, he even says in Ephesians that we work with our hands so we can get to those in need. That's why we work. Yes, we work to meet our needs. Yes, we work to do all that. But we also meet, work to, the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't, shouldn't eat. <laughs> and so, I mean, even, even if you're working, different thing, even if you can't work and you're on social, you can at least volunteer. You can do something. Bless, he says he will bless the work of our hands. Well, work. You're not, again, even when I'm talking about this, I'm getting, I know I'm getting awesome some things. I'm trying to wrap this up. But it's just, uh, you know, I'm not trusting me. I'm trusting him to fulfill his promise to bless my hands. He's still my source. And some people think I'm getting back into performance. No, you can take it that way, but you're taking it wrong. I'm still trusting him. I'm not sitting, you know, being complacent, being lazy, and just just sitting, sitting watching as the stomach turns every day. You know, that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's trusting. I mean, that, that, that's not what it's about. That's not faith. Faith without works is dead. That's not what God saved us for. And, you know, it, well, I, I can't because I got this illness. Let's get, let's get you healed. Let's get you set free. Let's, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many things I can get off, and I need to get off the subject. Because we're talk that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the new you. And, but I know I brought it up because we're talking about the rich young ruler. Stop trusting you and trust God. That you, and we started the night by talking about how our whole life, our whole born again experience started with faith. And it's sustained by faith. The same way we receive Christ is the same way we walk in him. How did you receive Christ? You put faith in his grace. You can't have you can't have faith without grace, and you can't have grace without faith. You can have, if you have grace without faith, then you have grace, but not there's nothing that's going to make it work. And if you have faith without grace, you have nothing to put faith in. What are you going to do? Put faith in you? It then won't work. You put faith in His grace. This whole life is lived by putting faith in His grace. Again, Paul said, "I'm crucified with Christ." It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by the faith of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, we can even get into the gifts of the Spirit and different things. Yes, we have the gifts of the Spirit, but even with the gifts of the Spirit, the danger is, are you trusting you? Or are you trusting the Spirit? You know, and I, we'll get into this later. I'm going to be teaching on the Holy Spirit pretty soon here on Sunday mornings. I'm going to be teaching on it soon. And I'll be talking about some of that. I'm not, I'm not going to start with this when I talk about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you know, for example, prophecy. I love prophecy. I think we need to operate in prophecy more. But some people are more, are more, uh, they're addicted to prophecies. Some people <coughs> want a, a word, a prophecy, more than what they want the Word of God. 
I, I'm, I'm all for a word of prophecy. But when you start magnifying a prophecy over the word of God, something's wrong. Something is out of order. The prophecy needs to, if it's not, if it's not supported by the word, I know it might be specific toward a specific activity, but the principle, that's the spirit behind it, is going to be word-based. And there's some people who are being led from word to word instead of by the spirit of God and by the word of God. The, the spirit of God, the gifts of God, will never lead you away from the word. They will always lead you to Christ. They will always lead you to him. So it goes back to faith. That's why I'm bringing it up. Because, <coughs> you know, we, I'm not going to trust my religion. I'm not going to trust... I am not going to trust a word given to me more than I trust the word. Now, it, the word may affirm and confirm the word. But it's never going to be... Anti, I'm never going to elevate it above the word. Or any of the other gifts, for that matter. They will always point to Christ. Sorry, that's my phone. I thought I turned it off. But anyway, um, uh, hopefully this doesn't make any sense. I know I got some tangents. You got something to share? Sure. Just to piggyback on what Dave was sharing about who is Lord in your life. Is Jesus Lord or is what you're going through, your sickness or your lack of finances or whatever it might be, is it Lord? And one way of looking at it it's not Lord as in you're going to bow down and worship, but it's Lord as in what's ruling your life. You know, our heart breaks for those going through sickness and illness because that, that's, that's a big deal when you are on, on that, in that hospital room or bed and taking, and all, those pills. taking all those pills and the doctor's constantly giving you bad case scenarios and diagnosis and and whatever but it's it's whatever is whatever's like ruling and reigning in your life because in a sense when you're in that hospital bed what's what's reigning in your life that sickness so in the moment when all your focus is on oh my gosh i'm gonna die i'm i'm sick i'm gonna have this all my life or whatever it might be that's being Lord in your life right now. And, you know, in uh, Philippians, um, it says that God has, uh, this is chapter 2, verse, verse um, 9 through 11, it says God has also, also has highly exalted him, being Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in the heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It's, it says that God has given Jesus a name which is above every name. So cancer has a name, sickness has a name, lack has a name, oppression has a name, all those have names, uh, and believe me, I, I'm not getting on you because I've gone through stuff where I've let it be Lord in the moment, um, and I still struggle over things uh, before I can get my mind renewed in the Word to get back on who truly is my Lord. But when all your focus is, because all your, your senses are screaming out, I'm sick, or I'm going through this, or whatever, they're trying to exalt themselves over who is rightfully Lord, which is Jesus Christ. And when they're being louder and you or I are listening to them, we're allowing that to be Lord of our life. Uh, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm uh, making sense. But when we bring it back to know Jesus is my Lord, his word says, by his stripes I'm healed. His word says he heals the brokenhearted. His word says that I am to prosper and be in health as my soul prosper. You know, uh, <laughs> today when we were making lunch, uh, Dave said something that rocked my world. And it was just the simplest thing. We were talking about uh, attitudes. And usually when someone says, you have an attitude they're they're talking about you have a bad attitude 
But he reminded me that when you're happy or you have a good attitude, that's an attitude. So when someone says you have an attitude, it, it could be good or bad. And why was I bringing up the attitude thing? I can't remember. Shoot. It was good, though. It was good. <laughs> my, my mind went somewhere, and it was good. Uh, but now I can't think of why I brought it up to go with Jesus as Lord. So in other words, let me just piggyback on that. We need to have an attitude of faith. Yeah. Uh, not an attitude of fear or attitude of defeat or an attitude of sickness or attitude of poor me, poor me. And then that end of us can go on and on. Like, you know. But we need to have an attitude of faith. We need to have the attitude that was in Christ Jesus. We need to have an attitude of serving and not selfishness. We need, there's all kinds of different attitudes. attitudes. Attitudes can be bad or attitudes can be good. So in other sense, we need to have an attitude. We, we have one. Where everyone has an attitude. Even if your attitude is lazy, complacent, or, or uh, uh, depression, or whatever. And I understand there's other things involved with that. But God wants to set you free from depression. God wants to set you free from those different things. Have an attitude of Christ. Have a good attitude. Have a faith attitude. Have a spirit-filled attitude. And if you need an attitude check... If you need to change your attitude, get in the spirit, get in the word, get into fellowship with other believers. If you're going to try to change your attitude on your own, that, that, that's, that's, that's foolish. You can't change the flesh by the flesh. You have to change it. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, sometimes, I mentioned lust a minute ago. You can lust to have a bad attitude. You ever try to... You ever try to, you ever run into someone, maybe a spouse, who had a, just woke up on the wrong side of the bed having a bad attitude, maybe they had a frustrating day at work or whatever the case may be, and you try to snap them out of that attitude, they just snap back like a cat. <laughs> you know, and I, and I know they're just having a rough day, and, I, and, I, and you know, we've all had those. We've all had it where we're in a bad mood, and someone's trying to get you out of that bad mood, and you just snap back. That's an attitude. Cats have attitudes, you know, and so, uh, you know, but uh, I forget what I was going. So we're, we're both having the same problem. <laughs> we've had a very busy week. Uh, I mean, we've been, we're it's always busy, Wednesday. but we, uh, we're on, we're on some major, major projects right now. So uh, we've had a very busy week. Uh, so I know we're tired. But at the same point in time, you know, but I can have an attitude. I'm just tired, you know. I know that we need to be refreshed and whatnot and all that stuff. But at the same point in time, I can have an attitude. I can, you know, some of the, we started the week and we started last week. We had some big projects. And I was like, by God's grace, we're going to get through this. By God's grace, we're going to get these things done. That's an attitude. You know, uh, we're going to see the other side. And it's, it's going to get, uh, uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, get through the season. But it's just a, you know, but we can have a positive attitude about it or a negative attitude. We can drag our feet or we can, or we can be a conqueror. We can, uh, you know, uh, so, you know, uh, oh, I was talking about lust and attitude, you know. But someone who has a bad attitude, you know, some, some people, they just want to hold on to that attitude. You know, you're trying to snap them out of it. You're trying to break it, but they're so stubborn to keep that attitude. That's lust. When we think of lust, I've always been... <clears throat> something with a moral or sexual oriented, even though that's a major uh, category for that. But lust is a, our flesh is stubborn. And the older we get, the more stubborn we get. And I'm not picking on anyone because of their age. I just know, I mean, we were stubborn when we were two. <laughs> we were stubborn when we were a toddler. We're and stubborn. as we got older, we become more stubborn. And you know, and, and and you can't look at me with that religious attitude. We we all been stubborn. We've all been there. How do you we overcome that? Walk in the spirit. You know, the law will humble you. You know, the the law will. <clears throat> and that was the last section we really read here. What's the purpose of law? The the purpose of law is to show you you need a savior. You need a Lord, and it's not you. You're, and let me just say it this way. You are not your own Savior, and you are not your own Lord. So stop being the boss. Stop being bossy. Stop, stop with a stubborn attitude. And cleave to your Savior. You know, we, we talk about how a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. We talk about that marriage, and rightfully so. But we are married to Christ. 
We are no longer slaves to sin. We are now a child <coughs> of God. And so, you know, and Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7. How we are basically, because we are crucified with Christ, we're no longer married to the law. We're now married to Christ. And I'm putting it in a simple form. And the law, the law says you can only, you, you can't give a, a divorce. <laughs> you can, it can only be by death. Well, through Christ, we have died to the law. And we're now married to Christ. And I'm putting it in some simplest forms. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump into chapter 3. Uh, I don't know if we'll get very far. Chapter 3 is pretty short. It's called From Death to Life. And that will kind of pick, uh, continue on our, 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 our thoughts here. So go ahead and start reading that here. All right. All people are born into this world separated from God. Psalm 51.5 Adam and Eve died spiritually when they sinned. Even though they didn't die physically right away, their spirits were separated from God and fell under the control of Satan. Genesis 3 Every person born into the earth since then has had this inherent sin nature. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 5.12 However, sin isn't imputed until you reach the age of accountability. This means you aren't held responsible for your sin until you're old enough to intentionally violate God's law. Romans 7, 9. This age varies from person to person, but you need to be born again as soon as possible once you reach it. A natural birth brought you into this world, but a spiritual birth is required to enter God's kingdom. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. John 3, verses 3 through 5. When you're born again, you pass from death to life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. John 5, 24. At salvation, the sin nature you were, bor you were born with dies and is replaced with a brand new righteous nature. You're no longer a sinner, but righteous in Christ. All right, thank you, Sherry. So, you know, I just love this whole idea from death to life. I mean, one, one of my favorite verses is, uh, uh, I forget the reference right Second now. Second Corinthians 5.21. But uh, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Are we oh, been, different. Or we, we need to reckon ourselves, uh, which is Romans 6.11, we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know, we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin, yes. But there's an and there. There's a conjunction. And uh, uh, we reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are alive. We, pro we have become, come from death to life in Christ Jesus. Um, I thought I was going to piggyback on something else here. Do you have something real quick before I'm at that? No, I just, I, I love how... God is always talking about love and light and life uh, when you come to him. Um, you know, uh, anyway, I just, uh, there was something I was going to piggyback on. So, uh, I want to piggyback on uh, uh, John 5.24. Uh, this actually this last paragraph. Let me just read it again. When you're born again, you pass from death to life. Verily, verily, I say to you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life. At salvation, the sin nature you were born with dies, and is replaced with a brand new righteous 
nature. You're no longer a sinner, but a righteous in Christ. You know, we need to get a hold of that. Whether we're a new believer or whether we've been a believer for years. I want to read that last part again. Our salvation, the sin nature you were born with, died. It was crucified with Christ. And it's replaced with a brand new righteous nature. You're no longer a sinner, but righteous in Christ. We need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. We have to reckon that. We, have, we, need, we need to reconcile that. Number. If, if you are a believer, if you are born again, you are no longer a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is who you are. That's your new nature. And I know that might be hard for some of us to understand, but that's the gospel. Stop associating with the old man. Stop associating yourself as someone who's a sinner. I understand we still mess up at times, but you, that's not who you are. There might be some old fruit on the vine, but you are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. That is who you are. And until you reconcile that, you're not going to change the way you live. You need to change your thinking. We've been talking a lot about renewing the mind. You need to renew your mind. You are not a sinner. I am, uh, I'm not a sinner. I'm the righteous God, Christ Jesus. Now you can apply the same truth to sickness. I am no longer sick. I am healed. I am no longer, I mean, I need to apply it. I am no longer hearing impaired. I can heal. I am healed. I'm already healed to the blood of Christ. I'm already healed by his stripes. I was healed. Christ is not going to die again for my healing. He already provided it at the cross. I just need to receive it. But I need to stop identifying with it. However long it takes for the, <coughs> the, the manifestation of that to take place is different. But it will take longer until I start reconciling in my mind. I need to believe it. I need to receive it. And I know that, that boggles in our mind because we haven't been taught this way. But it, it's the same thing because the same cross paid for your sin, the same cross paid for your healing. All sickness is part of the curse. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse. So stop living in the curse. And again, don't take that wrong as that you're cursed because you're sick. No, 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 no. The sickness is a curse. I didn't say you were curse. There's a difference. Okay. And so, sickness is part of the curse. I need to receive my redemption. Now, we'll receive it full and, <coughs> and its fullness when Christ comes again. But we can live in that. We can live in some of it now. You know, it talks about eternal life. Eternal life is not just going to heaven. That is a big part of what we're going to enjoy for all eternity. But Jesus said in John seventeen three, this is eternal life, that we believe in him. That we believe in Jesus. That we have a relationship with Him. Having a relationship... <coughs> Actually, no, I, I quoted it wrong. This is just a life that you know Him. Knowing God, having a relationship with God, and that word know is not just knowing about God. It's intimacy. It's the same word used when Mary said, how can this be because I've never known a man. It's talking about intimacy. When you, are, when you know God and you have a relationship with God, that is the essence of eternal life. Because the essence of going to heaven is not the mansion, it's not eternity. The essence of eternal life is being with God for eternity. Being with Jesus for eternity. That's the main objective. That's the main goal. That's the main benefit of heaven. He also says in Revelation chapter 22, I think it was verse 3, that there will be no curse in heaven. There won't be any curse, but there will be Jesus. There won't even be a son because Jesus is the son. He's the light. And, you know, that's hard for us to fathom because we haven't lived there yet. But, but we have a relationship with God. You know, uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, you know, we need to believe that we're not a sinner. We are righteous. And you start believing that. You'll start living more holier. You'll start living <coughs> more godly and righteous life. If you keep, you know, if you keep associating with yourself that you're an alcoholic or you're a sinner or, or this, you'll keep living that way. Stop associating with that. That's not who you are. 
if you're a Christian. You're crucified with Christ. That part of you died, was crucified. You're now a child of God. Until you renew your mind to who you are, you're not going to live differently. It's just like a soldier who's been a, a prisoner of war or someone who's been abused. And they come out of that environment and they have that post-traumatic uh, uh, syndrome or whatever it's called. And they're still reliving the, 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 the abuse and the torture and the, the environment. They're, they're free, but they're not free. Because they're not free in the mind. You need to stop. Until they get free in the mind, they're not going to live in the freedom that they now have. You need to be set free. Spirit, soul, and body. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. <coughs> and God wants to set you free. But you need to start recognizing, reconcile, wrecking yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul talks about that. The whole chapter of Romans 6 is talking about that. You were crucified with Christ. You're buried with him. and then, But don't stay in the grave. You were also raised with him. We need to, we, we need to consider the death and the resurrection of Christ. The, the death of, of God, the cross, was powerful. It paid for your sin because Jesus became your sin and he crucified it. He crucified your sin. He crucified your penalty. He crucified it. That's powerful. But he didn't stay on the cross. And he didn't stay in the grave. He rose again. That's what water baptism represents. You were buried with, you were, you were buried with him in baptism. And you, but you don't stay under, under the water. The pastor, the priest, doesn't keep you under the water. You come up. And the fact that you come up is, is also symbolizing that you are raised to newness of life in Christ Jesus. The baptism, the, 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 the being immersed part, shows that your, your, your sin, your old nature, was buried. <coughs> it's dead. But the, in other words, baptism represents, it illustrates... That the, the same man who went man or woman who went into the water is not the same man or woman who comes out of the water. You crucified the old man in Christ, and you came out a new man. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we need to behold. That word behold, we need to see. The word behold means to see with the mind. You need to see with the mind that you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. The water baptism is beautiful because it illustrates that. You don't get, you don't get saved by being water baptized. You get, you get water baptized to illustrate what just took place. You know, we don't have to have, we didn't have to have a, a, marriage, a wedding ceremony to be married. We could have just gone down to the courthouse with a witness and, and, and someone who, a clergy or someone who had the, 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 the court uh, clerk who could could uh, who, who could um, uh, solidify our marriage, our union. The, but the ceremony is a lot more memorable, and we still had to do that. We still had to have a clergy and a witness sign the the marriage certificate, even if we had the ceremony. We still had to go through that same process. The ceremony didn't marry us legally, civilly. Uh, it's a marriage certificate that married it from a civil point of view. But the, the, the ceremony is memorial. It's, it, it's also public. We are now man and wife. The whole public. Are, we had witnesses. We remember it, especially the last part. <laughs> Kiss the bride. You know, that's always the most memorable part. But, you know, uh, uh, so is baptism. But, but, and it's nice to be baptized because it's nice to have a word somewhere. I am a child. I am born again. And we have different reminders reminding us that we're married. And the same thing, we have reminders. We have the Holy Spirit reminding us, bringing things to our remembrance. We have other things to remind us that we're a child of God. We need the reminders. And so uh, we need to know that we, we need to crucify the old man in our minds. And we need to we realize we're a new creation. And when we make that connection in our minds and we realize that's I'm not a sinner anymore I'm not a cancer victim anymore I'm not this anymore I'm the right of God I'm healed 
<coughs> my God shall supply my needs according to my riches. I'm not poor. God will meet my needs. You know, we went through some financial things just a, a few months ago with a, a set of events that I'm not going to go into. And, uh, you know, I'm just working on some things right now. I'm, uh, in addition to pastoring, I'm, I, I got, I'm a notary public. I, uh, I uh, also uh, can do loan signings for uh, real estate loan signings, uh, which is part of a notary public job. And I just this week passed two final exams to be an apostille agent, which has to do with foreign documents. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go into all that detail. But then there's just been some other things. So, you know, God, and, and why am I doing it? Because even as a pastor, Paul tent make from time to time. And it's okay to have tent making jobs as being in the ministry. And I may not always do, use my other jobs, but we just need more income. And so to do some of the things that we're doing. And, uh, um, but God is our supplier. I'm not trusting, I'm not trusting the offering plate. Uh, I'm not trusting, uh, different, I'm trusting my God as my supplier. Uh, you know, the finances have been a little low in the church lately. And because of that, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to continue getting the paycheck from the church. But God's my supplier. And so I still got to be responsible. I don't know if remember why I went on this subject. There was a reason. But I'm just trying to be a little transparent. But I'm also like, I'm not going to trust me. I'm going to do my part and be responsible. But I'm trusting God to give me the strength, the ability, the wisdom, and the provision. And God has made my needs. I, you know, because of the circumstances we found ourselves in a few months ago, I'm not going to allow those circumstances to be Lord of my life and dictate what we're going to be able to do and not be able to do financially. We want to God for wisdom, what I should do and what we should do to, to bring more income and whatnot. And God has provided some opportunities for us to do that. Um, you know, and, and, uh, uh, and so we're trusting him and God is faithful. God is faithful, 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 faithful. No matter how this country goes with this election, and they years ago, you know, uh, he's my king. He is my Lord. I will submit to the governing authorities as I can, as long as they don't don't uh, conflict with the word of God. And I, and the Bible talks about it. Peter talks about that. Jesus talks about that. Paul talks about that. How we are to respect authority and pray for our leaders. And I'm not here, you know, even in the in the, the book of Acts, when they were, 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 were told not to preach in the name of Jesus, they still respected the authority. They didn't obey. They didn't, but they didn't revolt. They didn't cause a riot. They they just simply kept preaching in Jesus' name. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't revolt. They didn't riot. They didn't uh, cause, uh, but they, 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 what did they do? They prayed for more boldness. And so, you know, and uh, some of the things that are going on in our world, and, we, and I, know, I know we need to be involved or whatever and do our part, but Paul, Jesus, James, P Peter, they all said these times would come. Our focus needs to be on Jesus, not the circumstances. We still need to do our part. We need to vote. We need to be involved. You know, I'm, I'm not saying we're just going to be a, a, a doormat for people. But at the same point in time, when it comes down to it, Jesus is my Lord. God is my Lord. And, uh, you know, it's different things. And we need to be involved in our country. We need to be involved in our community to a certain degree and to a certain level. You know, if we don't, then the world will take over. The world will take our country and different things. But we have to stand up for certain things within reason, within, within uh, you know, as the Bible instructs us to. You know, I mean, throughout the Old Testament, there was all kinds of, of wars and different things that they had to do to stand up for his right. You know, and uh, anyway, I don't want to get on all that. I want I need to wrap it up with him. And, uh, uh, but I just talked about trusting God. Um, do you have anything? No. no. It's just time to wrap up. Okay, let, let me just pray us out. And then uh, we can at least end this Bible study here. And we'll see you on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. for our, our church service. And then at uh, 7 p.m. for our Bible study Six. on the true nature of God. 6 p.m., excuse me. But we just thank you for your word. Lord, how, teach us all afresh what it means to live. We need to reconcile ourselves dead to sin, yes. But teach us afresh also what it means to live. We need to live. There's some things that we need to die to. But there's some things that we need to live. And the church is supposed to be the head and not the tail. 
above not believe. We are the children. We are blessed and we are not cursed, the Bible says. And so we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. And I pray that tonight's teaching was beneficial. We bless it. We bless the rest of our week. We continue to pray for our country. We, Lord, we, all the different fraud going on with the fraud votes. We thank you, Lord, that you will expose the truth. You will expose the truth. Thank you for giving our leaders wisdom and how to bring the truth to the light. And we thank you, Lord, for our country. We say, God bless America. In the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Did you have a question or a comment? Yes. Okay, I thought so. I just want to close it out and then I think we can.